We want to welcome all those by way of television today to all of it, United Methodist Church. We're going to be observing the Lord's Supper, which we do like every other month, every other month. And if for some reason you'd like to observe, we do have packaged communion containers, and we do make deliveries. So do let us know if for some reason you haven't had communion in a while, and we'll meet you at the door with a completely sealed envelope of grape juice and a wafer. And we want to thank you for your prayers and your support during this maybe very chaotic, tumultuous time. Keep in your thoughts and prayers many things that are going on in the world. As we begin our service today, we're going to begin in a word of prayer, observing Dr. Martin Luther King Jr.'s observance tomorrow. So let's bow in a word of prayer. Father God is in observance and recognition of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr.'s birthday tomorrow. How do we begin? The Lord of all things new. We're glad to work with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit to submit ourselves to you, O Lord. For in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, according to John chapter 1, 1. And Lord, how do we begin, Lord of all things new, how do we begin to build a new world, new relationships, new understandings? How do we start over and build a community of acceptance, a world of diversity, a family of trust? Shall we begin with confession, with lament and sorrow? Of course we have, and we will continue to confess our deeper sins of hatred and division. O oh God, the God among us, realize that there is a certain dimension, and we are divided, and how unjust at times we are, and how broken we are all. But surely there are beginnings to be made, words to be spoken, words to be done. Surely there are ways to see with new eyes. Brothers and sisters who are different and yet the same, how do we begin, God of second chances? Let it begin with us, O Lord, as you taught us to pray, saying together, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. As Kurt and Mike make their way forward this morning, we do want to thank you for your prayer support and your financial support. And if you're uh, observing by way of television or radio this morning, you want to turn to John chapter 1, verses 43 through 51, and observe the characters in this portion of Scripture. And I'm hoping that you will become a Nathaniel. That is the element of being a witness for Christ. Greetings, loved ones. Praise God for God's word. I read from John 1, starting with verse 23, just to reiterate what you said for those following along. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee, and he found Philip and said to him, follow me. Now Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, son of Joseph. Nathanael said to him, Can anything good 
come out of Nazareth? And Philip said to him, come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael coming to him and said of him, behold, an Israelite, indeed in whom is no guide and no guile. Nathanael said to him, how do you know me? Jesus answered him, before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Nathanael answered him, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Jesus answered him, because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? You shall see greater things than these. And he said to him, truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. That ends the reading. Praise be to God and hallelujah. Good morning, brothers and sisters. In our story today of Scripture, Jesus was heading to Galilee, and along the way, he ran into Philip. He only said two words to Philip, follow me. They traveled together, and as they were traveling, Philip came across Nathanael, and he told him, I found one in the scripture and the prophets who spoke about. He's from Nazareth. He said, can anything good come from Nazareth? This was because they were close together, and there was a small town rivalry between the two of them. It was kind of an inside joke. So they went along, and Jesus told them that he'd seen Nathaniel under a, a tree before they'd ever met. This is an excellent example of God's omnipresence, how God finds and calls all of us, everyone, as individuals, before we can even make one move towards him. He sees us. He knows us. On greeting Nathaniel, Jesus told them he was a man with no guile. thought, hmm, guile, that's a word not used very often. What does it mean? It means there's no dishonest duplicity in his character. Then Jesus told me he's seen him under the fig tree. Like I say, fig tree was a favorite spot by scholars, scriptural scholars, because it provided shade from the sun and was a quiet place to study and read. Nathaniel looked at him, and he was all surprised that he'd already seen him because he had never seen him or met him before. And he said, you are the son of God. You are king of Israel. That was interesting because Nathaniel has now identified Christ with three different ways, king of Israel, son of God, and rabbi. Jesus looked at him and said, no, because you say that I saw you under a tree, you believe you didn't have faith. You'll see much greater things. Two of these greater things that he will see is the resurrection and the ascension. That's just two of them among the many that Jesus did. The you, when Jesus addressed himself, is plural in the last verse. Jesus was speaking of a larger group of disciples, maybe even perhaps the whole, the whole church. Death used is similar to when God opened the heavens that revealed to Jacob the miraculous connection between heaven and earth. God has opened the heavens and earth to us. His name is Jesus. He revealed the Son of Man. Jesus completed the work of putting heaven and earth together. The church has seen us, I'm talking about Christians in general, has seen many miraculous things done of and for the Christ church. We have already seen, at least metaphorically, like I say, heaven and earth brought together. Jesus came down from heaven to earth, and that's why we're going back to heaven. We're going home. 
Praise God. Thank you very much. Praise be to God. Thank you. Would you stand with me for a word of prayer, please? Father, we just want to thank you for your scripture that reminds us of Nathaniel. Nathaniel saith unto him, Whence knowest thou me? And Father, you're looking down on us today and, and the divisions within our country, the, the racial difficulties we're experiencing. And we pray for reconciliation. We pray that you would use us, O oh Lord, as we stand on your promises, as we observe the, the various paths by which souls are led into the narrow way of life, that as we observe the Christ that's in the Old Testament and the divisions that are in religion, and according to our scripture today, the good advice which Philip gave Nathaniel, and we are called to give one another. Then ultimately, Lord, we're standing on the promise that the, the high character which Jesus gives of Nathaniel, and we pray that Jesus would give us that high characteristic. Bless us as we prepare for communion. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Oftentimes, if you grew up in a small town, there is tremendous competition between small schools. I grew up um, in Eagle Bend, Minnesota. I pretty much had proven myself academically and athletically, but spiritually was a question. During the early 70s, there was a shortage of United Methodist ministers, and I was called on to serve three rural churches at probably uh, 15, 20 members each, Bertha, Hewitt, and Wrightstown. And all those communities were in competition with Eagle Bend. And the rumor that was going on once they had put my picture in the paper and kind of explained my background was, is there anything good that could come from Eagle Bend? Suddenly, uh, somebody was going to be appointed to three United Methodist churches just a few miles down the road, five or six miles. And suddenly, uh, I was cast in the role of being a ministerial president, much younger than a number of the other ministers in that locale. Still going to seminary, I commuted back and forth from the metropolitan area to Bertha Hewitt Wrightstown on Thursday, Friday, Saturdays, and Sundays. That first year, I was single. Second year, I, I took on a new expression of faith because I, I took that leap of faith into marriage. We took those uh, two churches, three W churches. People I really believe came out of curiosity. I would work out with the local football teams and some of the coaches, Dick Fink and Homely Boys, were former athletes that I competed against, and they went on to college, and then they returned to their hometown of Bertha, and we kind of worked out together. We kind of coached together. I didn't become at all involved in my local community, Eagle Bend, just a few miles down the road. It seemed like I was busy enough with seminary and working out and working with the, the local athletes and the coaches of Bertha and Hewitt and Wrightstown. But I pictured myself as almost a Nathaniel. And I was viewed as a Nathaniel. What possibly good could one person do? I want to challenge you that you can become a Nathaniel. Let us observe as we read these verses, as they were shared from the pulpit here just a few minutes ago, how various, various are the ways and the paths by which souls are led into that narrow way of life. We are told of a man, a man named Philip. 
being added to this little company of Christ's disciples, this 12 itinerant preachers, Philip does not appear to have been moved like Andrew. You remember Andrew and his companions by the testimony of John the Baptist. John the Baptist was a mighty figure in preparing the way of the Lord and saying, John the Baptist said, I must decrease so that Christ may increase in, in your midst. He was not drawn like Simon Peter. Simon Peter was drawn by his brother Andrew, not by this outspoken declaration of a brother. He seems to have been called directly by Christ himself. Nathaniel was called by Christ himself. And the agency of man seems not to have been used in, in his calling. Yet in faith and life, he became one with those who were disciples that were before him. Though led by different paths, they all entered the same road, embraced the same truth, Jesus, the truth, the life, and the way, served the same master, and at length reached the same ultimate home. Now, the fact before us today, you and I, the fact before us today is a deeply important one as we prepare for the Lord's Supper, Holy Communion. Because being a part of the Lord's body and participating in Holy Communion, we're supposed to have a, a right relationship with Jesus Christ. We're to love the Lord our God with all our heart, mind, body, soul, and spirit, and to love our neighbor as ourselves. But we all find, if we examine our hearts and our minds, body, souls, and spirits, that we fail. And then we need to trust in the body and blood of Christ. He becomes the advocate, the doorway for you and I to participate in the body and blood of Christ. It throws light on the history of all God's people in every age and of every tongue, color. There are diversities of operations of the Holy Spirit. How the Holy Spirit, say it with me, the Holy Spirit in the saving of souls like yours and mine. All true Christians are led by one Holy Spirit. They ought to be one Holy Spirit, one Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We're to be washed in one blood. We are to serve one Lord. We are to lean on one Savior. We are to believe one truth and to walk by one general rule. But all of us are not converted in one and the same manner. All do not pass through the same experience. I wish we had time to examine a number of experiences that the Holy Spirit has brought us into that relationship with Jesus Christ. In conversion, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost acts as a sovereign God. The Holy Spirit calleth everyone severally and uniquely as he will. In our study on Wednesday nights in the book of Revelation, there's a powerful testimony about the times that we live in. In the book that we're studying now about Jabez, Jabez was only mentioned once, and it's the prayer of Jabez that, Lord, bless me, bless me indeed. Expand my territory. May no sin, sorrow, sickness come upon me, and may I cause no sin, sorrow, sickness to anybody else. And Jabez became in right, right relationship with God. The name Jabez means pain because there was extreme pain in the birth of Jabez and his mother named him pain, pain. But the prayer of Jabez has become one of the most powerful pray, prayers in the Bible. 
because it was a, a prayer of blessing. Bless me, O oh God. Bless me indeed. Expand my territory of outreach. Let no sin, sorrow, sickness, sadness come unto me, and let me cause no sin, sorrow, sickness, or sadness to anybody else. We should pray that prayer. A careful recollection of this point may save us much trouble. We, we must beware of making the experience of other believers the measure of our own. I tried to get a hold of Sarah this morning. Sarah's not feeling well. She, is, she has bronchitis, and Marie was, had a heavy cough. And tried to get a hold of Mar Margot. She was tested and tested positive for COVID, Margot Rising. Used to occasionally play our organ and choir director. We need to pray for those who are sick among us. We must beware of making the experience of other believers the measure of our own. And primarily that is in our walk with Christ. We must beware of denying another's grace. But I think many of us have been moved by Sarah's testimony and certainly by Marie's testimony over the years and testimony of just a, being a prayer warrior. And how we miss Lee during the night, I thought I needed to talk to Lee immediately, maybe to help me with the communion service. And then it was just that fleeting thought of how dependent we are upon those who were a part of our body and are no longer a part of that body. I think of Vern and how Vern would walk the aisles and he makes sure the lights were just right and candles were just right. And I just thank God for Joe and Gary and Darwin and oftentimes when these personalities are no longer with us it, it takes so many more to cover no one can make up for those we've lost just in the last few years has a person got the real grace of God we may ask this is the only question that concerning us is that person penitent as they come to the Lord's Supper we should each and every one of us examine our hearts and our lives before God. We should examine our lives. Are we truly a believer? And as I look out over the congregation and, and I look into the camera to those who may be viewing us by way of television or radio, you need to decide your relationship with Christ. Are you leading a, a holy life? Or is there some aspect in your life that you really haven't given over completely to God? Provided these inquiries can be answered satisfactorily, we may be well content and we may, may be truly ready for to participate in the body and blood of Christ. After every presentation about the Lord's Supper, there is an examination. Scripture says, do not partake of the Lord's Supper unworthily. There's been just probably a couple of handfuls of people that I've approached in the pews of by congregations when we've offered communion and they haven't came forward and and I would talk to them afterwards and I would say to them would you like to have one-on-one -on -one communion and they they said they were not ready and I said that that's remarkable I give you God's grace for you to say that you're not ready because God speaks to our hearts and reminds us of our readiness do we live a holy life Provided these inquiries can be answered satisfactorily, we may be well content and ready. It, it matters nothing by what path a person has been led to Christ if they have only been led at last into the right way, the narrow way. 
Let's observe, secondly, in these verses, how much of Christ there is in the Old Testament scriptures. We read that when Philip, there's many of us that have a behavior like Philip, because Philip described Christ to Nathaniel, and he says, we have found him of whom Moses in the law and the prophets did write. Now, Jesus Christ is the sum and total of the Old Testament. To Jesus, the earliest promises pointed to in the days of Adam and Enoch and Noah and Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. To Jesus, every sacrifice pointed in the ceremonial worship appointed at Mount Sinai. Of Jesus, every high priest was a type and every part of the tabernacle was a shadow of every judge and deliverer of Israel was a figure of speech and substance to the Christ, the Lamb of God that would take away the sins of the world. Jesus was the prophet like unto Moses, whom the Lord God promised to send. He was the king of the house of David. He, he came to be David's Lord as well as David's son. Jesus was the son of the virgin and the lamb foretold by Isaiah. He was the righteous branch that was mentioned by Jeremiah. He was the true shepherd foreseen by Ezekiel, the messenger of the covenant, the promised one by Malachi, and the Messiah who, according to Daniel, was to be cut off, though not for himself. The further we read in the volumes of the Old Testament, the clearer do we find the testimony about Jesus Christ. The light which the inspired writers enjoyed in ancient days was at best maybe dim, but dim compared to that of the gospel writers. But the person of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost, they all saw this afar off and on whom they all fixed their eyes was one and the same. The, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, was, which was in them, testified it of Christ, according to 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 11. Now, do we stumble, stumble at this saying? Do we find it hard to see Christ in the Old Testament because we do not see his name, Jesus, which means Savior, Messiah? Let us be sure that the fault is our own, it is our own spiritual vision, which is to blame and not the book, the B-I-B-L-E, because that's the book for you and you and me. The, the veil has yet to be taken away. Let us pray for a more humble, a more childlike, a more teachable spirit that the Holy Spirit gives. Let us take up Moses and the prophets, which our scriptures just remind us of. Let us take up Moses and the prophets again. Christ is there, though our eyes may not yet have seen Jesus. May we never rest till we can subscribe to our Lord's words about the Old Testament scriptures. John chapter 5, verse 30 says, They, the scriptures, they are which testify of me. Let us observe thirdly in these verses the good advice which Philip gave to Nathaniel and he gives to you and I today. The mind of Nathaniel was full of doubts about the Savior of whom Philip told him. Can there be any good thing? Can there be any good thing, he said, 
comes out of Nazareth? And, and look very carefully. What did Philip reply? He said, come and see. What, what wonderful words that you and I can use when we invite people to church. Same with him. Come and see. Now, wiser counsel than that would be impossible to conceive of. If Philip, and you and I have encountered this frustration at times, if Philip had reproved Nathaniel's unbelief, he might have driven him back for many a day and, and given many offense. If he had reasoned with him, he might have failed to convince him or might have confirmed him in his doubts because when you enter into conversations about religion or politics, very seldom our minds change. But inviting him to prove the matter for himself, he showed his entire confidence in the truth of his own assertion and his willingness to have it tested and proved. And the result shows the wisdom of Philip's words, come and see. Nathaniel owned his early acquaintances with Christ to this frank invitation, come, come and see. If we call ourselves true Christians, if we call us the authentic, the genuine Christians, let us never be afraid to deal with people about their souls as Philip has dealt with, with Nathaniel. One comment, I, I try not to let a day go by where I witness for Christ to a complete stranger, wherever I may be at, and I'll invite him to all of it. Methodists, and occasionally people will say, well, I don't feel like I'm quite good enough yet, but when I get good enough, I'll, I'll come. And I'll say, you know, I wouldn't be going, and my congregation wouldn't be coming. We're not good enough. We just trust in God's grace, and we try through the Holy Spirit to lead a holy life. Let us, um, like Nathaniel, let us invite them boldly to, to make proof, to make proof of our, our religion. Let us tell them confidently, confidently that they cannot know its real value until they have tried it. Let us assure them that vital Christianity courts every possible inquiry. It has no secrets. It has nothing to conceal. The faith of Christianity, its faith and practice are, are sometimes spoken against just because they do not know. They have taken the bite of the Kool-Aid or the, the false Christianity. Its enemies speak evil of things which they are not acquainted with. They understand neither what they say nor whereof they can affirm. Philip's words of dealing, we may be sure, is one principal way to do good. Few are ever moved by reasoning and arguments and religion and politics. Still fewer are frightened into repentance. The person who does most good to souls is often the simple believer who says to his friends, I have found a savior. I have found a savior. Come and see him. And let us observe lastly as we prepare for Holy Communion today in these verses, the high character, the high character which Jesus gives of Nathaniel. Whenever I come across this portion of scripture and I read the Bible through from Genesis to Revelation each and every year, when I come across this scripture here, I'm reminded 
of his words. Nathaniel, Nathaniel says to him, an Israelite indeed in whom is no what? Guile. What's guile? Sometimes there's, there's copies that are made of portraits or replicas of not the real thing. And people will say it's almost like the real thing. It's almost like a genuine copy. Ever seen a counterfeit dollar bill or $20 bill? Ever seen a counterfeit Christian? Let us observe, lastly, in these words, the high character which Jesus gives of Nathaniel. He calls him an Israelite, indeed, in whom is no guile. Nathaniel, there can, there can be no doubt, was a true child of God. And a child of God, in those times, much like our times, a child, true child of God is, is a difficult find. He was one of a very little flock like Simon and Simeon and Anna and other pious Jews. He was, he was living by faith, and, he's, and he was waiting, waiting in prayer, prayerfully for the promised Redeemer, the promised Messiah when our Lord's ministry began. He had that, he had that which grace alone can give. He had this honest, genuine heart, a heart without guile. I have a saying, his knowledge was probably small, his spiritual eyesight was dim, but he was one who had lived carefully up to the light that he had been given. His eye had been single, though his vision had not been strong. His spiritual judgment had been honest, though it had not been powerful. What he saw in scripture he had held firmly that in spite of all his Pharisees and all his Sadducees and all the leaders of the day, it was very hard for him to put the sense of integrity, integrity first, service before self, and excellence in all things. He was an honest Old Testament believer who, who had stood alone. And here was a, was a secret of our Lord's peculiar commendation. He declared Nathaniel to be a true, genuine, authentic son of Abraham, a Jew inwardly possessing circumcision in the spirit, as well as in the letter, an Israelite in heart, as well as a son of Jacob in the flesh. Now, you and I, we need to um, pray that we may be of the same spirit as Nathaniel, an honest, unprejudiced mind, a childlike willingness to follow the truth wherever the truth may lead us, a very simple, hearty, Desire to be guided, to be taught, to be led by the Holy Spirit. A thorough determination to use every Holy Spirit light which we have to be a, a possession of that priceless value of that priesthood that Jesus has called us to be a part. A person of this spirit may, may live in the midst of much darkness, and be surrounded by every possible disadvantage to the growth of the Holy Spirit in their soul. But the Lord Jesus Christ through the Holy Spirit will take care that which a person does not miss, miss on the way to heaven. The psalmist said it in the 25th Psalm, verse 5, the meek, the meek will be guided in judgment and, and the meek will be, will he teach his way. Father God, as we prepare for Holy Communion today, we, we ask, Lord, that you would cleanse our hearts, 
For you are the God of, of the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit's gifts are of love and joy and peace and patience and long-suffering, self-control, and, and so many works, or so many gifts. And we offer to you, and what we offer to you is pale when our minds try to grasp all that we have been given in life, the wholeness in our woundedness, the hope in our despair, the peace in our turmoil, the forgiveness in our rebellion, like Simeon and like Nathaniel, and our eyes have often seen your salvation, and you give us light in our darkness. Help us to embrace your extravagant generosity as we give ourselves to others in our Holy Spirit's name. With every head bowed and every eye closed as we prepare for Holy Communion, may we repeat this prayer. Dear Jesus, your body was broken for me. Your blood was shed for me. Forgive my sins, the ones I've done, and the things that I've left undone, sins of omission and commission. Come into my spirit, O Lord. Bring your Holy Spirit. Make these elements your body and blood. Embody me, O Lord, with your Holy Spirit. Help me to walk according to your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you turn in your bulletins now as we prepare for the doxology and as we stand, I'll have Gary and Mike just um, hand out um, communion elements. But let us pray this prayer placed in our bulletin. Holy God, like the first disciples, we have heard the call to follow Jesus, yet too often we have failed to introduce him to others, not willing to take the risks that go with true discipleship. As we bring our tithes and offerings to you this day, make us bold in following. May we give more readily, love more deeply, show mercy and compassion more extravagantly, and seek justice for others courageously. Help us to walk in the steps of the one we follow. In Christ's holy name we pray. Amen. Would you stand for the doxology, please? Before we serve communion, is there any announcements? You keep um, Marie in your thoughts and prayers, and, and Sarah, and Margot, and, and Mike, and, and especially um, Tina. Mike, did you have an announcement that you wanted to make? Just one quick note. I, I found it very interesting. Nathaniel's name in Hebrew means God has given. I just thought that was an interesting I should share. Nathaniel means God has given. Amen. Oh, bless you, Mike. And would Mike and Gary come to the bottom of the steps there, and I'll be handing you the uh, 
as they administer the communion. I do remind you that the first tab is cellophane, and that administers the bread, the body, and the second one, cellophane, is um, for the, the blood of Christ. His body that's broken for you, his blood that is given to you. You may choose to um, be seated or you may choose to leave. Um, and may now the grace and the peace and the fellowship of God's Holy Spirit go forth and abide with you now and forevermore. Amen. Mm -hmm.